welcome to another week of It's Just My Thoughts, and I'm your host, Mika Reeves. So it's, I feel like it's been so much stuff going on uh, this week all around the world. Um, this weekend, I uh, pretty much had a pretty light weekend. I went to Charlotte to visit my sister since we were on a long break um, with Martin Luther King Day. And uh, so that was pretty good. Um, you know, we had a good conversation, got to hang out with some cool people. Um, so it was pretty relaxing to kind of get away and do something a little bit different. Um, so let's go into motivational Mondays. Today I have a quote. It's two things define you, your patience when you have nothing and your attitude when you have everything. Um, when I saw that quote, I thought it was, uh, it really made me kind of think about, um, myself and just put stuff in perspective. So I wanted to. Uh, share that with you today for Motivational Mondays. Let's just jump into Black Excellence. So this weekend I went to go see my sister. I went um, on Friday morning to Charlotte and that was the same day that Beyonce's uh, Ivy Park line dropped. And um, even though like I knew it was coming, I, didn't, I actually was, um, I actually didn't realize that it was coming on Friday. So I missed that. And um, I watched my sister basically be unsuccessful the entire weekend with getting any merchandise. Um, when we try to get into the website, it put you in a waiting room and you had to wait until the it opened up the website for you. And by the time that we finally got into the website, and that was after we walked around the mall, went book shopping, got lunch, and we still went to the grocery store and we were still in the waiting room to get into where, you know, to get the merchandise. So needless to say, by the time we finally got into where you get the merchandise, everything was sold out. The next day, so on Saturday, is when it opened up in retail stores, and uh, they had it in some stores, and that was sold out as well. So um, it it wasn't funny, but it was funny um, because my sister didn't get anything. And two, um, you know, I think what's amazing with Beyonce is that even though we're all just like, oh, well, it's Beyonce. No, like Beyonce is an entire complete business. And, you know, the, the, even the way that they kind of hyped up the launch of this, and it was something as simple as her just sending PR, like sending all these celebrities, the, um, the whole entire collection. And it came in this big, huge orange box and just showing people be, um, just showing them excited to get their box. And, you know, you had, uh, her mom, Tina Lawson, you know, she unwrapped her box and she immediately went to a photo shoot. And it, and that's what to me made it really exciting. Like, I don't really wear um, Ivy Park too much, but um, I did like the shoes that came out. But I love the whole collection. Um, but I, it wasn't something that I wanted to sit and try to try to like, you know, stay online and get. But um, I was excited to see everybody, you know, kind of hype it up. And then, um, you know, showing the whole collection, even the day that it came out, Beyonce started dropping herself modeling the entire collection. And it was, you know, her team that works around her, they really, really put together an amazing brand for her. So it's really dope to see. So she's my black excellence um, for this week. So we have quite a few hot topics this week. Um, I try to narrow some stuff down because at first I was going to make this a hot topic, um, just make the whole entire episode where I talked about hot topics because I actually missed some stuff last week. And so I had to add some stuff on here, but I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to give you a regular episode. But so when I got the news this week, I was in, it was extremely hype. Um, they announced the 2020 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Whitney Houston and Biggie were among the inductees. 
So think people that know me personally know that I'm a huge Whitney Houston fan. I'm a Biggie fan too, actually, but I'm a huge, huge, huge Whitney Houston fan. Um, since I was a kid, I would literally sit and, um, I try to explain this to the, to the, this generation of kids cause they don't quite understand our struggle. But you know, when we missed stuff on TV, we didn't have the luxury of going on YouTube or having Hulu or something like that, where you might could catch it. So I used to have to plan my days around the award shows. And, you know, I was really, I was really active when I was young. So, um, I would have to set the D set the D DVD and record it. And so in my room, when I was young, I had all these tapes of recorded um, performances by Whitney Houston so I can sit and watch them over and over. What people don't realize is because now, you know, Whitney Houston like obviously had her struggles and things like that. But, you know, if you're not a huge fan, you know, what you don't realize is Whitney Houston was a fucking beast. Like in her prom, she was a beast. And so even at award shows back in the 90s and like 80s, Whitney Houston would have, especially the 90s when she was like the queen basically at that point, she would have like 20, 25 minute sets at award shows. Like people usually didn't have shit like that. You came out, you did one show, I mean one song and you were done. When when uh, Bodyguard came out, I remember the American Music Awards, Whitney Houston basically did damn near the whole soundtrack. She did like four songs that year. I think it, I think it might have been, uh, uh, when was it? 94 95 I don't remember but um she has the most beautiful voice I think I've ever heard um I think one of the greatest singers of all times um you know I always say that you know when it comes to the celebrity of things we always sit and say that we want to have a certain lifestyle we want to have a certain life but it's very hard to be a celebrity and be in, in that light and especially considering um when she came out, it almost like they wanted her to be the princess of, you know, R&B and kind of, or pop, princess of pop, really, and kind of like, you know, be this like martyr to that whole field, you know, as far as a black woman. And um, I think she just was, had, was under a lot of pressure to just be something that she wasn't. And I think she spent a lot of time being something that she wasn't. And so, you know, which led to um, her struggles. But I was really excited when I saw this. Um, I'm still a huge Winnie Houston fan always and so it's just good to see that finally she was getting inducted and um it was good to see that biggie got on there as well so i was really excited about this news another big thing that happened this week um ayana presley i i'm gonna pull up the article but i definitely i watched the interview i definitely would suggest watching the interview um that she had with the root but this week she opened up about the fact that she has been living with alopecia and it's basically her first time and so uh i think the interview was with the root yeah with the root and um it came out this past thursday and actually on the cover um when i was looking at the other thing now she's showing what she's actually interviewing now with her she's completely bald at this point and a lot of times we will see her um you know when she would be at the impeachment trial or where she's um, been at other political events you know she's had the braids and things like that and so now she's finally um opening up to the fact that she has really aggressive alopecia but she's still kind of at the beginning of it um i have some quotes here that i wanted to read so she said in the fall when i was getting my hair retwisted it's the first time that i was made aware that i had some patches presley said from there it accelerated very quickly the congresswoman said it eventually got to a point where she had been waking up every morning to sink fulls of hair Every night I was employing all the tools that I have been schooled and trained in throughout my life as a black woman because I thought that I could stop this. 
I wrapped my hair. I wore a bonnet. I slept on a silk pillowcase, said Presley, who in 2018 became the first black woman elected to Congress from Massachusetts. And yet and still every morning, which I faced with dread, I did not want to go to sleep because I did not want the morning to come where I remove this bonnet and my wrap and be met with more hair in the sink and an image in the mirror of a person who increasingly felt like a stranger to me. She continued. I thought, um, I thought this was very powerful. Um, she also, another, another part, I'm gonna read this. I will. Okay. And so she, Presley said that the last little bit of her hair fell out the day before the house voted to impeach president Trump last month. I was completely bald and in a matter of hours, we're going to have to walk into the floor of the house chamber and cast a vote in support of articles of impeachment. She recalled. And so I didn't have the luxury of mourning what felt like the loss of a limb. It was a moment of transformation, not of my choosing. So what I thought, um, was important to this and it was important for me to talk about was the the levels of how she spoke with grace in regards to um her condition but also the fact that she's able to stand in her truth because especially in the black community you know your hair is an extension of yourself it's kind of representation of yourself it's something that even as a young age even for me that like I've always been taught like your you know how important your hair is your hair your hair your hair and so the fact that you know, it can be kind of like an extension of yourself and how you view yourself and how others view you. Um, I can only imagine how she felt with that pressure of seeing, you know, her hair, like losing her hair, but also the pressure of, you know, having to wear wigs or try to cover it up or having the insecurity of do, do people notice or are they noticing that I'm wearing wigs now? Are they noticing the braids? Because it got to a point that she couldn't wear braids anymore. And um, so now, even over the weekend, I saw she did another interview and she was completely bald and she looks absolutely beautiful. And so I just want to commend her. And um, I, w- I hope we get to a point that we see more people just speaking and living their truth and not, you know, falling into the pressures of what people think that we should be. You know, sometimes just speaking up and just saying your truth it's easier to digest than trying to be, you know, something that you're not or hiding a truth about you. And so in this case, we see where, you know, um, she's, you know, living her truth, whether she, you know, was fully in the gates for it at first or not, but, um, I'm sure it's very freeing for her. So I thought this was, um, really, really amazing. Some other hot topic news. Um, so this is, was, was actually amazing to me as well. Um, so the WBA uh, signed a eight-year agreement that is a major deal for them. Um, I love basketball. Like, I, I grew up playing basketball, and so I kind of know how it kind of worked. And um, it, I always complain because you see the men, you know, making millions and millions of dollars um, just from playing a sport that they love. And then you see on the women's side – I mean, even people that sit on the bench, like players on the bench, they probably get, I think they still get like 250, 300,000 just, just being on the bench. And, um, so WNBA players would get on on average uh, about $50,000 a season. And so they still had to go overseas and play another season after the WNBA season overseas to kind of compensate for, you know, obviously their lifestyle, but for them to make more money. So now, um, with these major changes, they raised the average compensation to 130,000 
the top players can additionally earn as much as $500,000. Now this is like really fucking major because the veteran players were making maybe $100,000, maybe. So if you were just a regular player, you know, just, just coming in, you probably made 40, 50,000, you know, and then, um, so now you have the opportunity, especially your top tier player to make up to 500,000. They also have paid maternity leave and childcare, which is crazy considering, um, you know, this is a women's league that they never had maternity leave in place. That is just like, I mean, when you just say, look at this deal, even though it's like amazing, but it's like kind of crazy that we're in 2020 and it wasn't, it wasn't things set in place for if a woman went out to have a baby, you know, like she should have got compensated for that just like any other job. And they also get better travel arrangements. So when I was looking at travel arrangements, um, apparently they were, they were still like, you know, share rooms. And so I think now this gives an opportunity, um, I guess like in the playoffs or certain games to where they can, um, be able to have their own room. So that's pretty cool. It's good to see just movement in the, in the woman, um, field in general. Um, a lot of times I think women, um, can be, you know, you know, I think I say this every episode, um, looked over, you know, least paid. Um, so I'm just glad to see that they're finally getting a lot more than what they were getting before, because these women work really hard and they, and they, um, are really passionate about the sport, but they work really hard in the sport. The WBA has to do so much, so much stuff, you know, um, as far as branding and marketing and all that, and just to even get the attention that it should be, you know, garner the attention that it should be getting already. And also, um, just trying to get more fun and coming to it. So, this is something that they've been working on since the inception of the league and just getting getting what's due to them. So I was really excited when I saw this. I was really, really excited. I think the biggest news that everybody's been talking about right now has been the Royal split. So I think it was about two weeks ago, Harry and Meghan Markle made the announcement that they would, they wanted to step away from their senior job roles and live half the year in Canada. Um, and, you know, and so basically Megan's already been gone. Like when they made the announcement, apparently I think the family wasn't really even fully aware that they were going to do that. And, um, she's already in Canada and he stayed back to kind of pan out everything. And I guess, you know, do like crisis control in a sense and make sure they have everything mapped out the way they wanted to. So this weekend we saw that, uh, the queen has finally spoken on this and they've come to an agreement. So Prince Harry and Megan will no longer be able to officially represent Queen Elizabeth II. Um, they also had to drop the Royal Highness as well. They also agreed to repay $3 million that were used to renovate their house near Windsor Castle and pay rent on the property. So they had to repay all the money that was given to them in regards to that. When I first heard this news, I wasn't really surprised. Um, I follow um, the royal family, you know, loosely. I love the crown, so that made me um, really kind of dive into a little bit of their history and just kind of the way things kind of are. Um, I do remember when I was younger, um, I remember the whole thing with Princess Diana. And so, um, I do know that, um, when it comes to this, I wasn't really surprised because, um, the levels of how, um, Meghan Markle has been treated, been treated over there has been absolutely crazy. Um, I mean, to the tabloids every single day, um, paparazzi, I mean, but it's always, it's, it's literally been something negative since they got married in 2018. 
Um, I remember I was watching this interview, I think it was last year sometime, where she basically broke down just talking about how, you know, horrible it makes her feel. And I just feel like, you know, look, I commend them because I know this shit wasn't easy to break off from the royal family and kind of just, you know, kind of choose love in a sense and choose your family and choose your peace. And I don't blame them one bit because, you know, this has to be uh, a shock to um, your system when you first go into it. Because everybody's like, uh, I remember when she first kind of said something about um, just the level of um, lack of privacy and just how she was getting berated so much in the British media. And everybody was like, well, she's a celebrity. She's used to it. No, like you can't be used to everything that you do. Every, every, even if it's not a misstep, I mean, everything that you're doing, um, you're basically being crucified. They've also um, in the past, like they've sued a few people, like a few like publications. I mean, so it wasn't really surprising that, um, you know, he made a decision to choose his family. And plus, you know, he stated that he wanted to not be, um, not have his kids completely just in the limelight. And if you think about it, Prince Harry never really was into the whole, um, the whole, you know, being a royal and all that. Like he kind of was like, quote unquote, the bad boy. He didn't really care about the limelight of things. And so, um, it wasn't really surprising. And I, and, you know, I definitely, uh, wished him well. Um, I definitely think this would, I'm hoping that with the move and with the changes, they can get the level of privacy that they desire. I think everybody, regardless if you're famous or not, you deserve, um, some fucking peace and you, you know, deserve to have your mental health protected. And so, um, if this, what it felt like they needed to do, then, um, I don't see anything wrong with it. Uh, everybody has been pretty much, um, going pretty crazy about it, but the way it was presented, even with Queen Elizabeth, she was very supportive, but it also kind of like was basically said that if anything ever changes or, you know, they want to assume their roles or, you know, do whatever that they can. I think what's kind of odd though, is the kind of ignorance of people because everybody's like, well, what are they going to do for money? Um, Prince Harry has money. Like he has, um, like he's paid. You know, uh, he had a fun, I think he had, he got money when Prince Di- Princess Diana died. And then you have to think about it the whole time that they're in office on that, they don't pay for anything. So I don't know why people would be questioning like where would their money come from or, or, or how like they're going to survive. If you don't think that Prince Harry and Meghan Markle are going to survive, like you're stupid. You have to be. Cause I'm like, I don't understand the logic behind what people are saying. Like that's been all over my social media and I don't get it. Cause I'm like, what do you mean? They can easily go out right now and say they wanted to write a fucking book and it would sell for sure, but they could get paid just off the, just off a signing bonus, just doing that in itself. Like, I mean, who, yeah, just this in itself will make somebody want to offer them whatever they wanted to offer them. So I don't really know. It, it also, I mean, even Meghan Markle's already kind of like been working and stuff like that. So I don't know, but I wish them well, and I don't see anything wrong with, with their decisions at all. I think, um, you know, sometimes it takes a brave person to, uh, step up and choose love. And that's definitely what they did in this case. So I wish them well. All right. So my last, um, hot topic really wasn't really, uh, just some TV news this week. Also, we saw Issa Rae drop the trailer for season four of Insecure, um, is set to air on April 12th. I really think that I need to rewatch last season, even though I'm really excited for this season. I can't even really remember how it ended. I think like it just, I think it was like, I guess resolved with some stuff, but then it just kind of ended. It ended up with a lot of uncertainty for the next season, I believe. 
So I plan to go back before April and rewatch last season so I can be completely there. But I'm ready for Insecure. I've been ready since last year. Um, also, for all my sports people, the Australian Open starts. Um, this is going to air on Monday, but over the weekend, Venus, Coco, and Serena played. I don't know the results yet because they played tonight. But um, So just keep that on your radar if you want to check them out as well. I've talked about them quite a few times, especially Coco, who's a teenager, um, and she's an up-and-rising uh, black tennis player. So she's very exciting to watch. So if you um, want to catch any of those, just be on the lookout for that. So my thought of the week this week is imposter syndrome. I um, I remember one time Michelle Obama was speaking and she was speaking about imposter syndrome. And that's what made me, you know, go in depth with uh, looking it up and kind of like, what was it about? Um, the definition is a concept describing individuals who are marked by an inability to internalize their accomplishments and a persistent fear of being exposed as a fraud. So some signs that be could be equivalent to um, or connected to imposter syndrome is lack of self-confidence, anxiety, doubts about your thoughts, abilities, achievements, and accomplishments, negative self-talk, feelings of inadequacy, dwelling on past mistakes, and not feeling good enough. This is what's crazy about this. I actually have been doing research on imposter syndrome because sometimes I felt like even for myself that I can sometimes have extreme self-doubt and not from the standpoint of, and but mine is different, mine is different. Not from the standpoint of that I can't internalize my accomplishments, things like that, because I know so far that like I'm doing well, but more so from the standpoint of, I feel like sometimes I'm not doing enough. And so, um, and I think we all have those uh, moments where you feel that way um, or moments that you have a little bit of self-doubt. I think what's important is that you have to figure out what are you going to do to get yourself out of that. So let me just talk about some things that I've, that I've done um, when it came to this. I think it's important. Well, I believe it's important to... Um, remind yourself of the positive things that you've done. This is something that over the year I've been more and more in practice of because at times, like, especially even when you're setting your goals, you feel like, you know, you want, you want to accomplish all of these things. And so even if you got to the end of the year and say you didn't accomplish everything on your list, you know, are you going to beat yourself up about it? Or is it something that can roll over to the next year? Or are you going to look at it and say, okay, I might not have gotten, you know, seven of these, all seven of my goals done, but I did accomplish five of them. Like sometimes you have to just stop and praise yourself. But some of the ways to break through in imposter syndrome is basically if you want to stop feeling like an imposter, you have to stop thinking like an imposter. So um, I have a few things that I jotted down just on what I think can be um, a help when you're trying to kind of break through of just, you know, negative behaviors towards yourself. Like I stated before, uh, one of my main things is that you need to celebrate yourself and praise yourself. And it's a difference between being boastful or bragging, but it's nothing wrong with saying, you know, like sometimes I say and tell myself like, yo, like 
you know, keep grinding or what you're doing is dope as fuck. Like just acknowledging that. Like, you know, if you're, if you feel like you're in a season where you're doing some dope shit, cool. It's nothing wrong with saying that. It's just all about, you know, how you go about motivating yourself or maybe even like, you know, you don't have to boast and brag to somebody about if, you know, all the amazing things you're doing, but you can still say it to yourself, um, you know, what you're doing. When it comes to your own personal life, you have, you're the person that is over your entire life. And so you have the, the ability to write your own rules. So it's not like you have to live up to anybody else's standard except for your own. And what your standard is and your limitations are, or whatever you feel like you can do, is what you can do. And you are the person that can write your own rules for yourself. So you have to kind of re- remember that. Um, sometimes I think when it comes to imposter syndrome, you can get caught up in your feelings And when it comes to feelings, like you have to separate uh, what you think in regards to separate basically your feelings from the fact of things like you might, when you start feeling like you're having some negative thoughts or you having a level of, you having a moment of self-doubt, that's when you have to start pulling out the facts. You know, like I can pull out the facts of, you know, I graduated college. I have two master's degrees, Like you, you know, you can say these things to kind of remind you of the positive shit that you're doing and the, and the straight facts of yourself instead of you falling into, um, a negative space, um, of self-doubt. And this is something that I personally do myself because, um, I don't think I was experiencing, um, a period of like imposter syndrome. I just think that, um, I had a period of just extreme self-doubt. I talked about that a few episodes ago. I'm not sure when, but, um, and it can happen to any, any of us, especially when you're making major changes in your life. I think that's when self-doubt comes in, especially when you're shaking shit up that you're not used to doing. And so it's almost like a shock to the system because you're doing something that you're, that you don't usually do. You have to just remind yourself that if it's ever a moment that you feel that way, or even if you have a spell or period where you might be experiencing some imposter syndrome or that, you know, you you're needing to kind of get your shit together it's really okay and the first thing is to just kind of acknowledge that and also um you know continue to remind yourself and also you know if you if you feel like you still are or, or even fall into a funk or you're having some extreme anxiety towards something you know I definitely suggest going to speak with someone um I'm not really one of those people I think that you need a village so if you have like a support group or you have like a a safe space with someone that, you know, you know, kind of got your back. I don't see anything wrong with it, but I always feel like for me that my safest place is therapy because at the end of the day, like you're talking to a professional, you're talking to somebody that's completely unbiased to you. You know, yeah, you might develop a relationship with your therapist where like, you know, you care about them, they care about you and they care about, you know, what you have going on. But at the end of the day, like, you know, they don't really have much stake in the game in regards to, you know, your life. So I think sometimes, you know, um, talking to somebody that, you know, it's not like they have, like, basically what I, what I mean is like, they don't have other motives except for what you're there for and giving you and getting you the help. And so sometimes when you like talking to your friends and like talking to your family and I go, I go through this all the time when like, I'm just talking about like things that I want to work on or things that I feel like I could work on to be better Sometimes when you talk to your family, your family is like, oh, you know, no, that's not the case. You're doing everything. And they're thinking you're being negative, but you're not being negative. You just more so maybe wanted to talk about whatever it is that you have going on 
And sometimes when you talk to your loved ones, it's just bias because they care about you or talk to your friends. It can be bias, you know? And, um, so that's why I always suggest, you know, go to therapy, hash it out to where, you know, you're getting the tools too, that can help you when you start having moments, because especially with us beginning this new year and going into the year with what you want to do for the year, it's easy for when you shake things up to start having feelings of, you know, negative thoughts in general. And that's how people usually don't ever really get to be all the way successful with their goals because they can easily talk themselves out of it. So I wanted to kind of go over this today and just remind you that when it's anything that you want to do in life, you need to visualize that success over your life. So anything that you want to do, whatever your goals were for this year and how you're going into it, we're in the middle of January, make sure that you're visualizing what you want for yourself. Don't forget that everything that you're doing thus far is enough and that you are enough. And so when you have moments of self-doubt or any kind of moment of negative thoughts or any kind of moments of just anything that just doesn't reflect what you're truly trying to accomplish, just stop, pause, and remind yourself that you are more than enough and what you're doing is enough. So that was my thought of the week this week. Um, I hope that this is um, something that, you know, kind of get your wheels turning or maybe something that you need to hear. Um, I know for me, I, I definitely uh, go over this stuff all the time because it's things that I have to remind myself, especially, you know, when I'm having moments where I'm like, girl, you're tripping, you know, so that might be a moment for you as well. Um, I'm going to put in the notes, uh, some more information on imposter syndrome. If you want to just kind of read over it and a, and I can try to find like some helpful tips too. So I'm going to put that in the notes as well. Um, I thank you so much for listening today. Uh, you let me also, I'm also going to put some more now for now, I'm going to start putting my social medias in the, in the episode notes too. So you can easily just click them and that way you can easily find them and follow, but I'm also going to list it here. My Twitter is at IJMT podcast and my Instagram is, um, at it's just my thoughts underscore podcast, my email that you can always contact me on. Um, if you didn't want to talk in the comments, you can contact me through email and I have the email link to my, um, my Instagram as well. Um, so if you wanted to directly email me from there, that's where it goes and is, um, IJMT podcast at gmail.com. And once again, um, I thank you so much for listening. It's Mika here and I appreciate you.